When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. In the highly anticipated sequel to the number one New York Times bestseller Ready Player One, Wade Watts travels the virtual worlds of the Oasis on a new quest that captures all the irresistible nostalgia of the original while revealing shocking new truths about the Oasis's past and humanity's future. When he was growing up, Wade Watts dreamed of being James Halliday, genius programmer, eccentric, self-made billionaire, founder of the Oasis, the vast virtual galaxy where humanity spends most of its days. Halliday was an icon, not just to Wade, but to the millions of outcasts who found joy and freedom in the world he created. Now, Wade's inherited Halliday's vast fortune, and with it, control of the Oasis itself. Except that Halliday left behind far more than Wade bargained for, including a jaw-dropping new technology that's erased the lines between the virtual and the real, making the Oasis a thousand times more seductive and addictive than ever before. And with that technology comes a new riddle, a new quest, and an unimaginable enemy, risen from the dead to seek it. But what prize awaits at the finish line? What could be worth more than the control of the Oasis itself? All Wade knows is that this time, millions of lives hang in the balance, and that winning will mean finally confronting the truth about his hero. Story Locale. The near future, both real and virtual. Welcome to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And... We're just going to crack right into it. You know, the last time we chatted about this, we went through what I felt was kind of our top list, our dream list, if you will, of the kinds of things that we would love to see included in the plot for the next book. And of course, we're not writers. We have no idea what he is thinking. But on the other side of that, there was kind of this list of things that we kind of hope that the author would move around that Ernest wouldn't indulge in. But we had no idea. We're just shooting into the air. It was really just wishful thinking. But now we have a summary of the book. And I just want to crack into it, man. What what do you what is your best guess as to how the plot could go based on what's been presented? <sighs> well, I think this synopsis makes it kind of clear that there is a strong likelihood of how it is Ghost in the Machine being front and center mm. or something like that. Because there's that phrase in the synopsis, an unimaginable enemy risen from the dead. Right now, assuming that this takes place shortly thereafter the events of Ready Player One, mm -hmm. 
the only dead person, well, there's two, but you, <laughs> you have James Halliday and you have Dido. And I don't think Dido's coming back from the dead. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Unless he really didn't go plop. That would be... I don't buy that. Okay, so you've got no, Dido, I, but, I, but he's just, he would be, uh, how would that work? Because he'd just be another player in the game. He would just, what, he would come back and go, ah, I healed or something. I don't know. I landed in a bush. I was just kidding. That would be some weak sauce if that was the case. Well, there was the other idea that we talked about the other night. Go ahead. After the Books a Million synopsis was revealed by yours truly. You and I were talking about some ideas about like, well, what does this all mean? You know, just trying to think of some like broad ideas of what could be the plot of this book or what are the main players. You know, we already mentioned the Halliday's Ghost in the Machine. There, there are so few people who have died at this point. I mean, that we know in the book, right? So you've mentioned, you mentioned Dido. You mentioned Halliday. I think somebody we haven't mentioned is Kira. We haven't mentioned Kira, but. But she died so many years before the the events of the book. She's probably a non-issue. I'm really just kind of counting down, right? There's the hundreds of people in the stacks. So his aunt and her boyfriend. And Mrs. Gilmore. I'm pretty sure Mrs. Gilmore isn't going to be involved in this. That would be that would be fucking awesome, though. I mean, that would just be like a cute little side thing. Like, Mrs. Gilmore brushes it off, gets into the Oasis, and, like, gets all, you know, neo-badass. <laughs> yeah, in, in her virtual <laughs> church... <laughs> You killed all my cats. Screw you all. I'm taking your fortune. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That'd be great. The revenge of Mrs. Gilmore. So not a ton of dead people, except for the carnage at the stacks. But there's one other person who, whose death is alluded to in the book that we never really came up again. Mm. And that's Wade's father. And we had joked about do we find out or do we hear something silly like a conversation between Wade and Sorrento where Sorrento says, No, I am your father. No, that's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings, you know it to be true. Yeah, not going to happen, obviously. No. But. No, it shouldn't. But, it shouldn't happen. We should say that. Uh, but, but go on. But, you know, on the subject of Sorrento, he's a programmer. You know, when we last left the events of Ready Player One, was being carted off because he was being accused of murdering Dido. Mm -hmm. So, what if he got the death penalty and died? He could be a dead person. I, I, you mean Sorrento? I don't think it's Sorrento. I don't think so either. I guess here's the point. Maybe it's not necessarily risen from the dead, like you and I are alive. It's not literally, but figuratively with avatars, in which case that makes a whole, that means you're talking about the entire Oasis is up for grabs. That seems too, that seems too easy. That It, it seems like, I like the dad idea, personally. What we had talked about was, could we see the character of Wade's father, Wade's actual father, 
come to life in this book. Like maybe he didn't die while looting that store. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's just something that his mom told him. You know, your father was a loser. He died looting a store. So what we know is his father's not been in his life for a really long time. We know what he's been told about the death of his father. And we also know that, that it wouldn't be the first time that the author wrote about a kid who was a gamer whose father died and then came back. Yeah. Right. Th- what was the name of that book? Why? Well, I, d- I don't. It's on the tip of my tongue. Anyways, so it, that that would be interesting. And, and it kind of feels like, I don't know if you've seen Waterboy, when uh, he yeah. gets popular and then his father comes back. Yep. Bobby, it's me, your daddy, Roberto. Daddy? You know, I seen you on the ESPN when they were talking about you being drafted by the NFL. Not going to the NFL. I'm going to stay in school and, and graduate. The hell with school, dopey. Take the money. You and me could be partners. Just like that Tiger Woods and his daddy. And he realizes that, you know, the father's just coming basically to use him. Like like he used his mom. So it, it could be something like that. Like that would, that's, I could get. I could get my head wrapped around that. I could really dig that. And maybe it's it's that there is something else that he that the father discovers something else, a backdoor to the system. We talked about backdoor before, and it, it it could possibly be that that the game has this additional thing. It's it's obviously an additional thing. It's a it's an additional quest, is what it says. It's um a new riddle. A new quest and and an unimaginable enemy. So it's not multiples. It's really just one path. And I imagine it's just a race between the two of them to take down to that path. But the question I've got in mind is, why? Under what circumstance would there need to be another contest? Is it that something floats up that says, hey, if shit's gone crazy and the person who took over the Oasis is naughty naughty, here's a riddle to potentially take it away from that person? Maybe this goes back to one of my ideas for a fanfic that how I never finished making the original contest. Mm-hmm. So maybe they uncover the rest of the contest and in doing so, maybe changes some of the rules of that game. I don't know, but it kind of has that feel to me like like nobody's making another contest. You're right. Okay. Like who, like why? I feel like the only rationale for that is it was an uncovered contest that either Halliday planted, you know, even better than the first one, mm-hmm. or it's just the scraps of the original that he just said, all right, well, push you guys to the side. I'm, not, I'm, I'm almost dead. I don't have time to finish this. Like maybe there were six keys and six gates. I get that. But if that was the case, then you don't partially program something. You don't like not do all of it. You Generally, it's linear. You know, you're you're creating your software and you're thinking with the end goal in mind and everything that has to kind of lead up to that. You don't go, oops, I'm going to die in a month. I guess I better stitch this up in the middle. Just doesn't work. I'm assuming that like when you're programming, let's say a game Mm -hmm. that you, you know, like you kind of plotted out like what you want to do. And like, let's say there's, you know, eight levels, but you're trying to meet your deadline and you can only do five levels. Yeah. You know, so you change the game so that it works with five levels. Yeah. I mean, eh, you could, I suppose. 
I guess the gist there is it would be weird if it was kind of like, oh, sorry, there's this part of the, there's a bit of the code in the back end where Holiday really meant for more. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I'm not discounting it. It's it's totally. It's, it's everything at the moment is on the table. It, it's a little bit suspect only because the the gates and the keys worked so perfectly with all the different pop culture references and. You know, I'm thinking like the the crystal gate and the th- the three keys to open it and three is a magic number. You know, th- there's no five is a magic number song. Right. So the whole thing seemed to be very planned for three. Like it was, it was yeah. all seemed to be very thematically threed. Uh, but with this, it's a, a new riddle, a new quest. And who knows? Maybe it's just like the first riddle amongst many, right? But I guess the real question is why your response to the why is... Maybe there was more to the game. Maybe somebody is finding that there is more to the original game and that conquering those pieces would allow them to take over. My feeling is that maybe there was an override. Maybe Halliday is thinking, look, I know corporations are after my business and there's a good chance they might take it. So yeah, if if my game isn't the, the winning path for the right person, then maybe... I should have something additional left over. Or maybe it's not even something that was planned. But it would have to be because we're talking about a new technology too. So let's crack into that because that's kind of an intricate part of the why. So it includes a jaw-dropping new technology that's erased the lines between the virtual and the real, making the Oasis a thousand times more seductive and addictive than ever before. So I think that what we are talking about is... We deal with interfaces. We deal with monitors and keyboards and mice. But what we we don't have is a mental interface, a means of hypnotizing, if you will, the user to suspend disbelief and to bridge that space between the user and the interface. So it might be possible to flicker the screen in such a way that not only are you getting a visual input, but you're triggering a hypnotic state that literally puts you in that place. You're not feeling it because you have a haptic suit on. You're feeling it because your mind is making it real. Because through a sort of level of of hypnosis, if you will, that if the game communicates to you that you're going to feel a certain way, you feel it. You are fully submerged, 100%. And if anybody's ever watched hypnosis uh, or experienced it, this is a very real thing. This is a very possible thing that you could go into the machine, potentially connect with it, and that it could not only immerse you in it, but that if you allowed yourself, gave yourself to it, that you could become hypnotized, highly suggestible, to whatever the input is that the game is presenting. And now you're really, really going to feel it, not just perceiving it through your inputs. I think it's something like that. Like something that, like, like some type of experience that's so... I think it's like the Matrix, only without jacking into the back of your head. Okay. Yeah, only, you know, through your visors. It would have to be something where the technology was already readily available and could be used to create that bump in reality. So... My, my toss, my hat into the ring is hypnosis and using the suggestibility through hypnosis in order to induce the ability to perceive it and experience it for real within your mind. That's where my head's at. The only thing that kind of came to my mind was 
that maybe this is going to be an AI gone bad situation. Like this is kind of playing off the holiday ghost in the machine idea, mm-hmm. which was sort of set up in the book and definitely set up in the movie. And maybe Halliday's ghost in the machine goes Terminator judgment day on the Oasis. And that's the enemy. It, it makes it clear that Halliday left behind far more than Wade bargained for. So if there's this Halliday based AI that's gone rogue or evil, that's certainly more than what Wade had bargained for. Well, okay, but hold hold on to that thought real quick, though, because whoever this unimaginable enemy is, he's going to be seeking whatever the end result is, whatever the end prize is, against that person. It very specifically says, risen from the dead to seek it. Why would Halliday's ghost have any trouble finding what he wrote? Maybe Halliday's AI ghost creates the new quest. And is holding the Oasis hostage. Oh, okay. Because the original Halliday created a quest. Why couldn't the AI, based on his whatever, create a new quest? I don't disagree with you uh, because... It seems like a cop-out, though. <laughs> it, it, does, it does seem a little bit, but I mean, it's I, I could see maybe some angles there. And, and here's the part that, that I, I feel like there is some focus, potentially more focus on Halliday in this book than the last. And that's because when the movie came out, and this is one of the things that I felt, a description that I felt really put the movie into perspective, is that the book is about Wade Watts. The movie is about Halliday. If you try to separate the two and understand that the focus is going to tell a different story, then that really helps to bridge some of the differences between the book and the, and the movie. Because the movie is about Halliday. It's about him and his life, and it's really – the kids are central to the plot, but they're really telling the story of Halliday to the viewer by having to go through these challenges. It's the challenges that tell you about Halliday, that, that illustrate the story of Halliday. Halliday is like the central figure of the movie, even though he isn't the main protagonist, whereas in the book, he's not. He's just the guy who died, and it's all really about Wade Watts. It's from his perspective. So when he's writing the second book, he's got a bridge. He's, he's got to be writing something that is going to continue off of a very different movie, but it's also got to continue off of the book. And the way to do that is if you make Halliday more important or more predominant in the second book. That way the movie and the book, the first, the movie and the first book can bridge into the second book. And because the movie and the first book were so different, we've kind of got to go off of where we left at the end of both of those. So I think your emphasis on Halliday, however it ends up being, is right. Or, or I think it's very strong. Is there any chance that the real Halliday didn't die? Ooh, fuck. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I feel dumb for not having thought about that. But I mean, everyone went to his funeral. It was something that was witnessed. His best friend saw it. But don't get me wrong. Like a multi-billionaire dude could fake his death if shit got too intense. Like I could see that. Like he just wanted to walk away. But what if Halliday was like, I don't like where this is going. 
I think that that the thing that I created is becoming too. Oh fuck! Okay, all right, follow me here. All right, yeah. So, a holiday. Here's here's my fucking synopsis, and I love where you went with this. A holiday isn't dead; he's alive, and then he realizes that what his creation is destroying humanity, and that the may. Here's the problem, though, is that if he was alive. There wouldn't be a race. Halliday would know how to override the system if he wanted to get in and shut it down. The only reason why he would do that is because he wants to live in seclusion, which is not a far cry from the kind of person that he was. So if he decides to like go live in the mountains in a densely wooded area away from humanity because he just can't stand it anymore, I don't know. He could still have a little bit of a pulse on things and... It, it could be that his presence in the Oasis wasn't an artificial avatar. Maybe. We know that people use the Oasis in a way that's kind of like, makes them forget about actual humanity and staying in the Oasis. And that maybe he saw this progress to a point that he thought was just so bad that he had to like step in again. Mm. And, and it gets difficult because like, if he's still alive, then technically... Anything he bequeathed the conditions of his death, then that contest is null and void. Well, I mean, no, not necessarily. He gave it away. So he would be an outsider at that point. Yeah, but it was conditional upon his death. Well, look, I can can will something to somebody. Maybe he's going to try to argue, look, I'm not really dead. I want my I want my uh, creation back. I I, that would be weird. Um, that would be awfully weird, but I could see him wanting to shut it down, you know, but again, we run into this problem of the person who created the Oasis, who knows what this additional riddle is, who maybe created the riddle and the quest, then coming back to race for it against Parzival. He knows the answer. He wrote the quest. So again, him being alive, that could be a weird thing. But I, I, it, or it could be that he's alive, um, uh, but that the person who's coming back, what, what was it um, in War Games that the doctor yeah. who would be like Doctor Falcon? Yep, that's right. Yeah, where where he ends up finding that he is alive because the computer tells him he's alive. Ooh, that would be a great reference. And then he ends up hunting him down or finding him and wherever he is exactly. So. Maybe it's not so much that Halliday is risen from the dead. I still like the father bit where the father is potentially uh, uncovers something or discovers something. Maybe the father is just as clever as his son. I don't know. And that he ends up finding out that Halliday is alive. It could be maybe that that the game has gotten away from him or the Oasis has gotten away from him, that, that the evolution of the Oasis – isn't fully within his control. It is more than he could handle, more than he expected. Maybe he finally goes insane. In the book, they allude to the fact that people thought that he was a little kind of cuckoo. Yeah. So maybe he finally went insane and he's kind of like mad scientist, you know. Marty, we got to go back to the future. Yeah, like maybe, maybe he's a little cuckoo. And maybe that's that's why he's like this crazy enemy character. I don't know. One thing that I felt relatively strongly about after reading this whole thing i feel like that big red button is going to come it's going to be a part of this book in some way like do we press it or not 
because it was such a centerpiece. But how powerful would that be? Like, imagine if, like, if you're if you're competing against someone else for whatever it is that they're running towards, whatever this quest is. At some point, they're both going to know what the answer to the riddle is because that makes sense, right? Got to keep up the pressure. But imagine here you are, and you know that somebody is running for somebody is is ahead of you to getting to whatever the prize is, and that the risk of gaining that prize could rob you of everything that you've got. Wouldn't you just hit the red button? Is it is it possible that you'd be like it would be better if it was all gone than to let it in that person's hands? Maybe that's what the uh, the rogue AI wants to do. They're trying to hit the red button, and Wade wants to stop it because like there's this whole thing about like saving humanity. There is that feeling that that humanity's in danger because it's being sucked further into the oasis. Uh, you know, maybe it's something else. All this language about like what is the prize of the finish line? What could be worth more than control of the oasis, right? And and in some ways, one of the things that's worth more than the control of the oasis is the death of the oasis. What? Well, here is another thought. Let's say that Halliday did die, and his avatar was very realistic. His avatar was, you know, sure, maybe programmed for those instances, but maybe not. Maybe through the process of playing the game that you're recording a person's actions, you're recording what they're doing, you've got this headset on. Hell, you could be recording brainwaves. Let's just say, not out of the realm of possibility, but you've got years of time of individuals having been in the Oasis. That what if that next step of technology is that people are so wrapped in that whatever it is that brings them in even closer ends up killing them, but that a copy of them exists in the machine. So what if this is kind of like Watchmen? Where the all the superheroes are assholes? Well, I'm talking about Ozymandias. Yeah, that asshole, go on. Yeah. So like, what if... <laughs> fucking hated that movie. <laughs> go on. The, the graphic novel was was better. I, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. What I'm thinking is, is that like he had this whole plan of like trying to set things up so that way his evil plan could go into place, right? Right. What if Halliday didn't really die of natural causes, you know, due to the cancer, or whatever, but he was killed by this avatar who did things in the real world from the Oasis? Maybe this evil avatar put the wheels into motion for his death. Uh, because I know Ozymandias did things where he like was able to like give people cancer so they would die later and like things like that. Yeah, no, that's that's really the long game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but but why not? Like why couldn't it, like if if there was a super smart avatar AI, mm-hmm. why couldn't it kill its creator, fake its cause of death, right? Mm-hmm. And create this contest maybe maybe the avatar made the contest maybe it was actually james halliday who knows maybe there's something like that where like the events of the first book were sort of like this ruse and now this evil ai is coming back to do something crazy and wild uh i like the idea of the ai but the problem with it being having anything to do with halliday is that is that there's now a competition 
and you would be competing against the person who created the rules and the riddle. We, we run into this problem where the player that you're playing against knows, has defined the game, knows the answers to the game, which almost eliminates that person from being the person that we're talking about. I mean, it's war games. Yeah, but who's the artificial AI in war games? The Whopper. Okay, but how does that compare to the book? Who's the Whopper equivalent? The Whopper equivalent would be the this uh, rogue AI but, that was created by Halliday, and Halliday is Falcon. Well, and- okay, so okay, so you're saying like the Halliday in the Oasis would be the rogue AI? Yeah. Uh, There's some new technology that people are addicted to in this mm-hmm. in this new book. Jaw-dropping new technology that's a race lines between the virtual and the real, making mm-hmm. the Oasis a thousand times more seductive and addictive than ever before. So what could that technology be? Right? So in some ways, you know, it could be something that's AI-based. One of the mm-hmm. thoughts I had was that if people are home all day in their chairs, maybe this new technology is kind of like that movie that was also, I think, based on a graphic novel called Surrogates where you're in your chair, much like this Oasis console, and you have like a robot that looks like an idealized version of you walking around in the real world. I kind of started going that way when I was like talking, thinking like, oh, like Terminator style Judgment Day, Terminators are walking around and killing people, you know, like some rogue army, you know, like the Star Wars Clone Wars or... So to just make sure I understand, you're talking about somebody who is in the real world... Logging into the Oasis, who's then controlling a clone of himself in the real world who goes around destroying stuff? Well, no, not initially, but like now you have all this hardware that's running around, you know, like iRobot that mm-hmm. could be taken over, which is actually kind of like the movie iRobot. Sure, but I mean, we run into a problem here, which is that the technology doesn't exist in the first book. Not in the first book, but it's been a few years. And more importantly, not everyone has access to the chairs. I mean, something that has that, to be... It's, 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 like, this could be something that IOI was doing. Uh, maybe, but I mean, it, you still have to give it to millions of people. So that's not going to work. I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to give everyone that technology. It's just... You know, remember in the first Probably book, first not. off, like tons of people are poor. People were given the technology if they went to school... Some people bought it, and you can buy into more expensive rigs. But if there's a new technology that's occurring, it's either something that people have to buy into that becomes very popular very fast, uh, and that a lot of people would be able to afford in some way, or would be free, or would have to leverage the existing technology. Or it's renting out or like buying time with that technology. So like you could buy time in a drone and you could fly around or whatever. It's like it could be something like that where like there's hardware that exists that you can rent by the hour of the day. Sure. So that way more people have access. I kind of wonder if if Ogden doesn't die in the book. We should talk about the sacrificial lamb in this book. And assuming that the events haven't taken place after his death, he would probably be an option for... For the rise, for maybe, yeah, possibly. It could be that, I mean, the only other person I can think of that would have that kind of access and power would be Ogden. And that if Ogden passed away, 
and he left a little something, left you know a a riddle. Maybe maybe the riddle in the quest isn't Halliday driven. It wouldn't be something Halliday would know. But that if Ogden left it in the system hmm. and said, "Look, you know, hey, here's this thing that I put in there for me, you know, just in case shit went south, I could take over." But if he's no longer there, send the letter to Parzival and say, "Look, just to let you know, here's a riddle, just in case things go south." But shit, then someone else would have to find that, and somebody would else, have, someone else would have to use that. It would have to be publicized in some way. But potentially not in a way where, you know, everyone knows about it. I don't know, man. I'm not sure where this is going to go. Like, every direction that I want it to go in kind of runs into this wall of knowledge. And who's going to know what or who could know what? Who could be dropping that? You know, why would they drop another thing when, you know, the contest has been won and it's been dealt with? And how does that, you know, it's almost like the the technology, boom, take the technology and set it aside. Why is there another damn riddle? Who put it in the system? Why would they put it in the system if the game was already won? These are my questions. So I guess that begs the question, did we want another book with another quest? Um, I think you'd have to because the charm of this book is is in a big part about somebody solving problems. And you're along for the ride. You're kind of trying to think about solving the problems with the character. That's that's part of the formula here, and it's a good formula, right? It worked for one book. I don't know about that other book that we alluded to before, how well it worked there. But, I mean, yeah. if, if, if you just do expose and you're just telling the person everything they need to know all the time – boring it's just like hey that's a history book but when you're when you're kind of going through it with them and they have a problem that they're trying to solve and they're slowly crunching through the problem and you're slowly crunching through the problem with them yet you feel like you're them and i loved that about the first book and i i hope that they're able to bottle that magic in the second one so i'm just concerned that it's going to feel so forced if it's like another Three more keys and three more gates and even the even more errant. Well, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, let's be perfectly honest. Armada felt like it was trying to fit a different story on the framework of Ready Player One. Um, you know, it didn't have the kinds of past references that it wasn't as reference heavy. Heavy, no, blah. It wasn't as reference heavy as as Ready Player One. But you had a top five of these game players who were the elite people yeah and it was so similar it was a little off-putting i you know funny i didn't i there were things about it that i felt were off-putting that that had nothing to do with that like it would totally make sense that a video game had been secretly had been created by the military and were being was being used to train people if anything what it felt more like was ender's game oh i I mean yeah it was Ender's Game and The Last Starfighter right. had a baby. Yeah, yeah. But the great-grandfather of one of those two was Ready Player One. And then the father showed up. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Like, the biggest conundrum here are the questions that I asked earlier for me. Because it, it, it basically puts all of the characters or a number of the characters that that I am really curious about or still invested in, particularly Halliday and Ogden... It, it puts them on the outside. It puts them in an orbit, not as a central character. I think 
the idea of kind of focusing in on Halliday and Ogden Morrow kind of makes sense because one of the things in the synopsis is talking about revealing shocking new truths about the Oasis's past and humanity's future. So there's something about the, the past of the Oasis, whether, yeah. you know, when it was created or something that was done in, in past events that is going to have a significant impact on the future, which is now. Yeah. Well, I don't think it would be a really strong story if it was, oh, this person died and and you didn't know about it in book one, but now they've come back and you're kind of like, well, then I don't care that they died. Then I'm not invested in the fact that they died. So it's got to be someone that's already been noted as having been dead. That that was a part of the story that would be dun, dun, dun. He's back. What? I really hope that he doesn't retcon Sorrento having worked at GSS into the book. Because that would imply that you know Sorrento has a pass at GSS, and that could be another angle for this. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we could spend hours talking about this and not get anywhere nearer to the answer. Ernest Klein took a long time to write this book, so he probably has this figured out, and we're trying to figure it out in the span of a you know an hour. And based on this synopsis, which may not even be the true synopsis. This could just be like a made up. Okay. Well, I get it. Of course. Of the things we've talked about, here are the, here's a list of things that I like. Here's a list of things that, that Let's do it. Uh, I think that pop for me. One, Halliday is going to have a predominant presence. Two, if there was ever an ultimate person to defeat, it would be your hero. It's like competing against the master and having to win against the master. How... His AI as a a player in the game, if you will, as as a an NPC, a, a non-player character in the game, that he would have to play against this artificial intelligence, and and that would be that would be compelling. I don't I don't know why the AI wouldn't know about whatever this. Uh, whatever the riddle is or wherever the thing is, it could be that he just didn't program it into the AI. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't care. Well, whatever. But it could very well be that, I don't know. I, not to dive into the details, I think that Halliday is going to have a much more predominant place in this. The book and the movie set it up for that. Like, yeah. it's 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 either he's going to help him out or it's somebody that he's competing directly against or something. It would be interesting if if the human Halliday is still alive and pulling a Dr. Falcon on everybody and then comes back to help bring everything back into order because he's the only one that could. If you're the smartest person in the world, the only person that can beat you is yourself. Yeah. Possibly that somebody takes... If it is more than Parzival can handle, if it's more than Wade can handle... And he doesn't control the Oasis or there's a threat of it being taken away. Maybe it's already been taken away or at some point in the book, it is taken away. Because remember, at that point where the AI, you know, if we're going to model it, let's say after War Games, he has that relationship with the computer until the computer goes out of control. 
Exactly. And now he has to figure out how to defeat the AI, the AI that was invented by Falcon. And thus he ends up discovering that Falcon is alive and then has to convince him that it's worthwhile doing it. But maybe the AI, maybe the AI version of Halliday takes back control, takes it from him, and then starts to enhance the, the, the technology to bring more people in, that this is the world people belong in. Right? It's some way, in some way that is just beyond his control, beyond Wade's control, and that he has to seek help from the outside in order to figure out how to take back control. It would be very, very interesting if it's modeled a little bit after the War Games model. That could be kind of cool. I could dig that. I, I could dig that. You know, the evil. <laughs> The evil holiday within the machine and then having to to call on the surprisingly alive holiday outside of the machine to help him. I could dig that kind of storyline. That could be fun. Yeah. There are reasons in the summary where I don't think that'll be quite right. But I could dig that kind of storyline. If you look at this summary, Mm -hmm. holiday is mentioned one, two, three times a lady. Four. Oh, four times directly. Yeah. He's mentioned more times than Wade. He is is mentioned more times by name than (laughs) Wade. So it seems obvious that some form of Halliday is going to be front and center. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just where he is in the mix of things. But I'll tell you, though, I, I love the idea of his deadbeat father potentially getting in and potentially taking over, maybe ripping it away from him in some way. Who knows? But I, I, I love that, that idea that his thief of a father who's supposed to be dead isn't dead. Well, dun, mean, dun, dun, he's back. And technically, if <laughs> Wade were off in the real world, his next of kin would be the likely legal successor to his newfound fortune. Oh, shit. That's a great thought right there, which is what if somebody sets him up to make it look like he died? And then the, the power would then transition, like you mentioned, to the next successor. And oh, all of a sudden, his dad pops out of the front, out of the woodwork. And, or there's and there like, you go. There's like 30 people that says, oh, I'm his father. <laughs> yeah. And he gets kicked out and then ends up going to Og and saying, I don't know what happened. I'm not dead. And Og's like, look, there's a, an additional back door, but you're going to have to sneak in. You're going to have to, here's the riddle to figure out how to get to it, because that's all I know. You know, this is what Halliday gave me just in case. And this is what you're going to have to do in order to get this back, in order to take over, take back control. I could see that. That could be awesome. Like, that could be. That, you know, power's ripped away from him, makes it look like he's dead. Father steps in. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Why not? That could happen. <sighs> it's like, I, I wish I could draw upon the well of knowledge that Ernest Klein has of all this 80s pop culture, because it would make it so much easier to try to like formulate in your head what the possible plot would be. Because, well, that's, you know, it's yeah. it's going to be somewhat derivative. Yeah, which is, a, which is a strength in this book. Sure. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, how do you meld all the, like, the best types of conflicts from these 
movies into like a super plot. And yeah. in the same way that like Armada was like the marriage of Ender's Game and Last Starfighter, he took these concept stories and made them into one thing. And like, I mean, it worked. It was it wasn't what we we wanted Ready Player Two, but we got Armada. Mm-hmm. But it worked as a book. Like it was fine. It was entertaining. I've read. I've not read it as many times as I've read Ready Player One. I'm not sure any book will ever get to that point. Right. But we know where Ernest gets its inspiration. We know where it's going to come from. It's going to come from the '80s and '90s, probably a little bit of the '70s pop culture references, movies, books, TV, comic books. The answer is in there, and whether it's the melding of a couple different influences or something else, that's where I see it coming from. So I feel a little bit like not being the scholar that Ernest Klein is, is making this challenge of trying to figure it all out with a very vague synopsis to go by super challenging. Yeah, the synopsis is the riddle for us. And with this riddle... It's very much doing what the book did to begin with, which is to provoke thought, which is to provoke this sort of troubleshooting or, you know, this this pursuit of knowledge, this esoteric wisdom that that's nestled within pop culture that we end up spending a couple hours just kind of freaking crunching our brain on the riddle that is the synopsis of this book to kind of get a grasp as to what we're going into so that it doesn't just shock us the minute we hit the book. And that's, it's a bit like trying to dip your toe into the water and just not being able to reach the water. And at some point we're going to have to dive in and we'll experience it. It will be great. I mean, don't be wrong. Like we could be totally wrong and I would be just as happy, but I just can't help but to want to suss out what the book is going to be getting at from these few little hints. Yeah. And like I'm going to like that last line about the near future, both real and virtual. No, 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 no. The, oh, oh, okay. All Wade knows is that this time millions of lives hang in the balance, and that winning will finally mean confronting the truth about his hero. And it it just implies that there's a dark truth about Halliday that could ruin that picture, this kind of idealized picture of Halliday that's in his head that he's, you know, he's been idolizing this guy for years. And now he, you know, he's also like won the contest that he created so that to become the new head of the Oasis. And that's an interesting thing because I like the last line here. And it's this idea of making somebody you've idolized into somebody who is real and somebody who has faults and maybe wants to shirk from those faults. Uh, or or doesn't doesn't want to be on a pedestal anymore, and that would be a good reason to fake your own death. That if everyone thinks you're a freaking god for creating this this system, and everybody's obsessed with who you are and what you've done, which basically elevates you from the dude that made it to like a level of deity, right? That they would have that maybe that unintended impact because you know the first book basically paints him as a god, and what if he ends up finding him? And, and he's much more human and much more flawed. And when you think about that, think about where Ernest Klein's been. You know, his book hit, and it did really well, and it did really well for years. And that put him in the spotlight. Like, if the story, if Ernest Klein, if we could say any character is Ernest Klein, and that, that character is Halliday, and what we're really exploring are the things that Ernest Klein loves, then this book might 
inadvertently be a reflection on what it's like to be too popular, to be overwhelmed by popularity, to be flawed and to, and to fear disappointing people because of your flaws and how unfair it is to be put on a pedestal and in a position where you could disappoint so many people. So I kind of wonder if this isn't his sort of reflection on what it's like to be famous and kind of what a flawed person might do, a human, not just flawed, but a human might do to escape the limelight. And I'm done. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it. I don't want to think too much about it, but I also want to like. Too late. I'm so compelled to think more about it and come up with more ideas on it. But well, uh, I, I'm willing to bet that everyone that listens to this is going to come up with their own ideas. So I'm curious to hear that. Yeah, you know, I saw some allusions to like people see, seeing interesting theories on Reddit, and like I'm not going to go there because if I go down that rabbit hole of like looking at Reddit theories, it's going to be an unproductive day at the office. Two or three months of hell. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel your pain. Is there anything else in this synopsis that we haven't really tackled? No, I don't think so. We covered the technology, possibly what that could be. We covered who might be his opponent that would rise from the dead to race against him. We talked about how a new quest and a new riddle could potentially be inserted into the system and under what circumstances that would happen. And this truth, this sort of confronting the truth there is a confrontation of reality that is going to occur and you know you brought up some really good points there so now i think we've covered it i'm curious to hear what our uh, what our community thinks of that yeah i'm very excited to see what our listeners come up with like they've been listening to us talk for a while they probably have an idea like how our minds get to certain places mm -hmm. and i would love to just like feed off of that Ready Player One energy to see if we can come up with something that resembles anything like what the book is going to be. It's it's yeah. so exciting. It's like we have over a hundred days before we see this book, mm. and I'll tell you that the, the day that it arrives, don't expect to hear from me until I'm done reading it. <laughs> so I I don't know that there any more information is going to be leaked out. I can't imagine what else would be provided. In advance. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's not just going to be trailer number two. Right, right. Like, maybe this is all part of, like, well, this it's, it's, thing. Like, he's going to slowly yeah. drip out information that's going to make everybody wonder, what's the book about? Well, and the weird part here is that information hasn't been dripped out in any unusual way. There's always a, hey, we're going to release the book at this time. That, that always happens, it's dropping a date, right? And then... As as the booksellers start to get the information about the book, well, they're going to put it online. So, But it's so weird that of all the places to get that synopsis published, books a million? Yeah. Books yep, a well, million? Somebody's got to go into the system and has to add it. It's just who's more active about it. I get it. You know, but it's I, early. It's early. We're a hundred days out. I mean, that books a million might be a little bit more on top of it than anyone else. Wouldn't be weird. But like, you know, and like, but like, I don't know. If, like, people have been had mentioned the books a billion signed copy thing, and I happened to just stumble across seeing the synopsis there. Like, how did like 
I can't have been the first person to have noticed it, but it seems like now kind of on the Facebook groups or whatever, the word is out that it's there. Mm-hmm. And it just seems weird that like of all places, books a million, not like a major retailer, like, you know, like we think of like Barnes and Noble or Amazon, it's making me ask the question, why them? Like, are they based in Columbus, Ohio? It might be an advertising thing. It might be that, you know, you know, hey, if, if you'll buy our books at this cost, then uh, we'll give you the synopsis first. And it'll it'll through a sort of viral movement, get people to come to your website and buy the book from there, which they have signed copies of or will have signed copies of. So does you, Barnes you, you know, Noble. there's something I agree, but but there might have been a different deal with Barnes and Noble. Yeah, I don't know enough about the the book selling business, but uh, you know Ernest it, Klein. Uh, Everything about this could be a riddle. Yeah, I do. I do wonder what else could potentially drop because uh, you know, a hundred days between here and there is a long time to go. It's it's a long travel in the desert to not get a drink. Yeah, especially on something so in, highly anticipated. Yeah, everybody's itching for this thing. Yeah, so I guess we we've just got to maybe there'll be some interviews. Uh, I know one thing, though, is that as soon as this drops, there will be book signings. And uh, we need to make a trip back to Ohio. Yep. that Let's, let's hope that that's not impossible. <laughs> well, okay, yes. All right, I get that. I get that. A group of people crammed into a, a room for a, in, a, in a line for a book signing might be um, a bit much. A bit dangerous. Yeah, I don't see a book signing happening until there's a vaccine. Next year. Or something. This is how I stumbled across the Books a Million synopsis of Ready Player Two, was I was trying to price check if I bought it from Books a Million, would it be cheaper than buying it from Barnes & Noble, given that Books a Million had that 15% kind of like, ooh, we'll give you 15% if you buy something. Yeah. And it didn't, but that was how I stumbled across the synopsis. The reality is I don't think there's going to be a book signing for a, quite a long time. Oh. That's why I figured, well, maybe I'll just buy a signed copy of this. That way I have one. Yeah, I get you. It's only $29. Um, Yeah, I understand. I know that whenever I go to a book signing, I'll end up buying a book that he'll sign anyhow. So I'm looking forward to the day where there's a book signing and we can get together and hopefully it's in Ohio. Yeah, and then we can uh, live broadcast an episode. Hell Yes. And maybe get him to do that interview that he said he would do for us. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we will luck out. <sighs> All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to tackle before we wrap up? I think we talked about some very plausible things, and I'm sure none of them are going to be what the book is about. Yeah. Or maybe all of them. Who knows? It's so it's so funny to just be so excited about a book being released. Yeah, yeah. I, I there's uh, There's nearly nothing that... I can think of, and I don't fanboy over much at all, not music, not movies. Books really would have been like the last thing that I would have imagined five years ago, any particular book, because I just don't fanboy over stuff. Uh, But I'm excited about this. I'm truly, truly tickled and was giddy at the (laughs) announcement. Well, dude, this has been awesome, and I I am super excited about where this is going. Definitely. we're going to, as soon as the next bit of information pops out, you can bet that we're going to jump on it and we're going to hug it possibly too tight. And we'll end up talking about it for a long period of time. Caress but it. 
and caress it, stroke it, and call it George. But until that time, we're going to be keeping our eyes open and our ears, and we hope that everyone else will do the same. And again, everybody post what your favorite idea is as to where this book should go or will go. Until then, this is Chris. And this is Aaron. And thank you for listening. See ya. Here's the thing. So we've got some ideas. We had some ideas in mind in the last episode, but we were really just guessing. I mean, we were just pulling like from a wish list of cool plot ideas and maybe from a list of nightmares that we want to avoid. So let's just start off with what what, what do you think is going to happen here? What is this? Now, if you had to bet what the plot would be like, given what you know in this little amount of information, what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, all right, we can do that. Um, oh, I totally thought we were going to do we'll that see. now. Oh, sorry. Oh, we, haven't even intro- we haven't introduced the show yet. Bless. Okay, fair enough. This is Chris. How about welcome to get to the good part, guy? <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited to get on this shit. <laughs> Welcome to get to the part... <laughs> Balls. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I should have had something to drink before the show. <laughs> Full throttle. Clearly you need it. I haven't had it in months. Um, oh, good for you. Yeah, I guess. All right. You want to close it out? Yep, let's do it. This is Chris. Like, no, like close it out. <laughs> I close it out? How do I normally close it out? I don't know. You close it out. (laughs) You also say like, well, that was a lot of fun. I guess blah, 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 blah. blah. This is Chris and this is Aaron. Fair enough. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Sorry, I get my head on straight.